we have another day. So I have to choose another mimer. This is, you know, this is, it's a lot easier to teach a sikh or English Kedish than to teach a mimer. Um, but I, I, I suppose the, the truth of the matter is I enjoy it as much as you do. At least I enjoy it as much as I think you do. This is from Tafshin Yud Gimel. The mimer we did yesterday and Sunday from Tafshin Yud Bay is 1951. This is 1952. This class really needs two, this mimer needs two classes. We don't have two classes. We have only one. So I'm going to teach you what's called in the tradition the maimed, and I'm going to skip the biur. In other words, every maimed is an analysis of a pasuk or a maimed chazal and an explanation. And in addition, there is a kabbalistic or philosophical or mystical slash philosophical center that sets up the, the explanation, the answers to the questions in, on the level of chasidus. So the heart of the Maimed, the center of the Maimed, is called traditionally the Biur, the commentary, the, the, the more mystical part, the beginning. and the end, is called the Maimed itself. That expression comes from Reb Kusiel Lepler, who was a Chosr of the Alter Rebbe, who, who separated the Maimed from the Biur that way. That's how he understood it. Now, we're going to learn, in effect, the beginning and the end, because we don't have time for the center. But I need to tell you what the center says in a few minutes to set up our ability to learn the beginning and end of the Maimon. The Nekud of this, the, 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 the gist, the center of this Maimon in the Nekud is that the Rebbe is doing an analysis of the word Nekud. What is the meaning of the word a point? Right? Let's get to the point. What is the point? <laughs> right? that, that speaks volumes. What I just said is uh, very, very compelling, right? You just say those words. You say, ah, oh, what is the point? In, in philosophy, and then therefore also in Chassidus, in Kabbalah and Chassidus, there are philosophical and mystical concepts of a point, of an akudah, of a pintele. And the heart of this maimed addresses the phenomena of a pintele, of a point. And it divides the concept of a point into two different categories. And technically, the terms of the Maimed are a point with a form and a point without a form. The point of this Maimed is to prioritize, is to celebrate, is to make better the point without a form, in quotes, over the point with a form. So the point with a form is going to be left beside the point. We're not going to talk about it at all. I just want to talk about the concept of a point without a form. Okay, I want you to hear me out. Okay? Now, what follows on my own words, this doesn't say this in the Maimed. On a conventional level, on a colloquial level, I would say, what do you think of a rock? A little tiny, misshaped, not particularly pretty rock. What do you think of a rock? Okay, don't answer. Yeah? Let's refine it a little bit. What do you think of a grain of sand, a piece of sand, a piece of sand that you can only find by the seashore, yeah? And by the way, I don't know if you know, but the sand by the seashore is special because it's not sand. It's coral. Did you know that? It's coral. It's coral. It's, it's made from a living organism. It's, it's, very, it's not regular sand. It's not organic. It's different. It is organic, but it doesn't have uh, you know, the nutrients and the life necessary for things to grow. Don't answer that question either. Okay, I'm taking it to another level. There is a concept of an atom but not the atom of the modern sciences. The modern atom is really a, a phenomenon in chemistry. 
not in physics, it's in chemistry. An atom has a number, an atom has a shape, an atom has a form, an atom has a kind of relationship with other atoms. In other words, atoms are very complicated things, in fact. I'm talking about what they call the Greek atom, the Greek atom. The Greek atom is a concept in Torah, which means, according to us, the Greeks took it from us originally, as the Rambam writes in several places. But our Sfarim were lost. And therefore, we're in effect, taking back from the Greeks what's really from the Torah, from Meshach Rabbeinu. The concept of an atom, of a Greek atom. So we use the word Greek atom for lack of word. It's really the Torah atom, right? The Rambam says, The means the Chaymer of the heavens, the atom that would make up the heavens. And Eis Aretz means a chaywa that's going to make up the earth. There's a long discussion on this. Not in the game. What is the meaning of the word Adam in this case? And by the way, the modern use of the word Adam is simply taking the Greek term and applying it to chemistry. In other words, the Greeks actually used the word Adam in some kind of a, a phonetic variation. And it became the modern Adam is not an Adam. The modern Adam is a whole system. It's a whole machine. Um, an Adam means a point that is so small that you can't divide it. That's what it means. All of matter is made up of atoms. Everything we see around us is made up of atoms, right? That Ramam describes. From an atom, you have tsuris, fire, wind, water, and earth. And from the composite of fire, wind, water, and earth, you have the chemical atom, the atom that the, that the modern scientists talk about. The Rebbe has a letter where he writes that the, the, the atom of chemistry has within itself four parts, fire, wind, water, earth. Positive, negative, matter, and antimatter. I don't know what it means, but that's what the Rebbe writes. So, everything is made up of atoms. What is an atom? An atom is a point that cannot be any smaller. It's indivisible. It's an absolutely teeny, 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 tiny point, okay? How small is it? It cannot be small. If you think about it, philosophically, an atom takes up no space. Because if it takes up space, it could be smaller. On the other hand, all spatial orientation is based on atoms. Something which takes up no space. When you glue it together with other things that take up no space, all of a sudden, they start taking up space. That's a strange philosophical conundrum. But that's the way it is. This is the, these are the kind of things that not scientists think about so much, but philosophical, philosophers think about. Okay? An atom is an individual point. When you're touching a table, you're touching a chair, you're touching atoms. Of course, it's much more complicated than that. But all of matter is atoms. So here goes my question. I started with a rock. I moved on to a grain of sand. And I'm talking about an atom. When you think of an atom, what do you think? What, what does it conjure up in your mind? What does it say? So you're very kind not to give the answer. Because <laughs> I'm going to argue with you anyway, right? Um, so you might as well hear me out. An atom is something that says nothing except I am. has no electrical charge. None has no life. In no way does it say anything. When you glue different atoms together, the convergence of those glued atoms says things. The glue speaks. The, the picture that emerges from the collection of atoms speaks. A lot of other components that speak when you pile atoms top of one another. And of course, ultimately, the highest level of communication that will come by gluing atoms together is what we call life, a soul. Atoms don't have a soul. 
the gluing together of atoms into smaller, small pieces, whether atoms or their molecules or their cells or their multicellular systems, this is life. There's a neshama here, there's a nefesh here, there's a koyach here. But an atom itself is literally just an is. It is. It says absolutely nothing. It just is. Our mind doesn't talk about atoms. Doesn't talk about rocks, doesn't talk about grains of sand, doesn't talk about Greek atoms. It talks about the word nekuda point. The reason I am introducing atoms because that's exactly what an atom is. It's a nekuda, it's a point. But it's a point that says nothing. It's a point that has nothing to say. You glue different atoms together. The glue has something to say. And the glue is not an atom. The glue is something different. Each individual point says nothing. When you join the points together to create space, whether it's single dimension, a double dimension, a triple dimension, from the convergence, from the sticking together of the different atoms, emerges something which speaks, whether it speaks electromagnetically, or it speaks because of gravity, or because it speaks because of life, whether it's you know, simple life, or emotional life, or intelligent life, and so on. But the atom itself says nothing. So if you think about this concept of a point, philosophically, if you think about it, there are two diametrically opposite assertions, two things you could say, that are 180 degrees opposite, and they are both true. They're both true. On the one hand, this point is the biggest Balgaiva imaginable. He's a yesh. Why? No reason. <laughs> if he had a reason, it would justify his yeshus, right? If he has a reason for being a yesh, oh, he's not such a big yesh, because there's an explanation, yeah? But if he just is a yesh, no explanation. That's, you cannot be a bigger yesh than a yesh who's a yesh for no reason, right? In Klippa, we call that a malik. A malik's not even a yesh. A malik is a chutzpahnik. Amalek doesn't have a lot of self-respect. He just has no respect for anybody else. Yeah? But it's a similar concept. So this point, this nekudah, this pintale, is on the one hand, the biggest yesh, because all it is is yeshus. But there's another way to look at it. This nekudah has absolutely nothing to say. Nothing. He's not announcing himself. He's not celebrating himself. He's not introducing himself. He, when you use him, to speak. The speakers are always other. The nefesh speaks, the neshama speaks, the koyach speaks, the glue, the glued speaks. The Adam never says anything. And if you meditate a little further, you'll realize that these two opposites go together. They go together. This nukudah, that's the right word, the point, the language of our mind is, nukudah, this pentala, on the one hand, it's representative of Yeshus because it is what Yeshua says, just ising, just the being. But on the other hand, because the Yeshus is not at all in an asserted or in an assertive state, all that Yeshus is, is bitle. Or to say it in other words, if you look at this point as an entity unto itself, it's a Balgaiva. If you look at this point as a creation of the Ebishter, it's the biggest bit. Because if the Adam, if the Nekud identifies with itself, here is a being whose only justification for existing is its existence. That's Yeshus. But if you attribute its existence 
to its creator in a very strange way without saying anything because points don't speak. Without saying anything, all it speaks is its creator. You follow? This is the discussion of our mind. There's another kind of an another kind of point which is very, very, very different. But we don't have time to do the correlation, the comparison that the Rebbe does in the Maimer uh, on pages the beer, the heart, the center of the Maimer with that And this is very, very abstract. It's not easy to learn and believe. it's really quite concise as it, as it were. Okay? So we're not doing the, the comparative Nekudah, we're just doing this Nekudah. So the Rebbe says this Nekudah is Malos. This Nekudah, this point that just is and has nothing to say is Malos. If you, what I'm saying now does not say in this matter. If you perceive Malchus as if Malchus is separate from the Ebishter, it's the ultimate Yesh. But if you see Malchus as it really is, as an expression of the Ebishter, there is no greater Maimed or Matzav of Ayin and Bittl than in this Nekudah, than in this Malchus, this Nekudah, this point. You with me? You get it? You understand? Now, from Malchus comes the worlds. Malchus is the source of the worlds. So if you're looking at Malchus as a yesh, it's obvious why Malchus is the source of the worlds. Malchus is the source of the worlds because it's the beginning of yeshus. But if you look at Malchus as the greatest bittle, so why is Malchus the source of the worlds? So the Rebbe gives a very interesting answer, a very surprising answer. The answer the Rebbe gives is because the worlds really have a lot of bittle. The worlds really have a lot of bittle. And the bittle in the worlds comes from Malchus. In other words, we look at this world here, yeah? and we think, oh, this is a bad world, the world of Klippa, the world of Metzias, world of Taivel, the world of Ra, and so on and so forth. Understand that all of that is the Tura, is the life, is the, the speakers on this earth. But the actual matter, the pieces of this lowest world, is created are the most bitter little beings that possibly could exist because they have absolutely nothing to say. They just are. They is. And again, if you attribute them to themselves, they're the greatest yesh. If you attribute them to the Ebishter, they're the ultimate ayin. And both are true. Both are part of the scheme of how Hasidus explains reality. But one side of this equation is that the Nekudah of Malchus, which is the point of which all of matter and the lowest levels exist, in as much as it's a creation from the Eibishter, it has nothing to say. It doesn't even say, I come from the Eibishter. It says nothing. The ultimate bittle. Or to saying what I'm saying in other words, in plain words, yeah? Sof kol sof, a simple person has more bittle than a big shot. Someone who's very smart and very passionate and very sensitive could be a very, very big chassid. Someone who's not so smart and not so sensitive and not so passionate can't be such a big chassid. But there's an innate bittle. There's an innate sense of lowliness even, of lack of a self-worth in a simple person that that big person will never have. The Mimer's argument is that the real, 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 real source of it is is that in the lowest creations there's a greater sense of their ayin. In the more sophisticated creations, their sophistication hides from them their ayin. 
In other words, the Rebbe takes the philosophy of Ishtalshus and turns it on his head. The lower you are, the less godliness there is, less revelation there is, the more in touch you are with the point which is the basis for your existence and the point which is the basis for your existence in as much as it is the Eivishter is absolute bittle. What's more bottle? Atzilus or Asiya? Of course Atzilus is more bottle. But Atzilus' bittle is a fancy bittle. Asiya's yeshus is because that's not fancy. But if you get past the yeshus of Asiya, you will discover a bittle that has to do with the Nukuda, with the point of Asiya, which is greater than in any of the higher worlds. Because that bittle is because I say nothing. I'm simply creation of the Eibishter. This is a 17 minute and 16 second version of the beard, of the heart of the Maimed, the part of the Maimed that we're not learning. And again, in the Maimed itself, the Rebbe correlates, compares and contrasts this Nekudah to a different kind of a Nekudah which is much, much more involved. Okay? So we learned the heart of the Maimed, the beard. We discussed it, I should say. Now we're going to learn the Maimed in two concentric readings. Means we're going to, if you see, I did ABC, and you can see how kind of genius I am. I made the maximum number of mistakes in recording my ABC, humanly possible. It's just, I have a special talent. The C, the A, pardon me, is the part we're not learning. The A begins on page Yudalad and it goes until page Yudzayan. Let's now do B. Okay, we're doing B and then we're going to do C. A, we're not learning, we don't have sufficient time. So B begins, Yuvan Zeal Pimashakosov. So now we're Pashat learning a Mai Mechsidis. We're learning a Mai Mechsidis. That's what we're doing. We're learning a Mai Mechsidis. The Yuvan Zeal Pimashakosov, Kvekdushim Erbachomi Admur. The Fidikim says in a Mai The Shminyatzelas Vereshashon and Mishtabim. There's a comparison between Shminyatzelas and Nashashon. You know, in the Ganza Welt, they make a Shturm Erbachan Arab. Based on Isaiah. For reasons that I'll never know, we don't make such a big shtudim on Hashanah uh, Rabbi Chabad. Like later years, the Rebbe introduced the concept of a pit ketove and zisa epometonic, but these were all numen hagim. Chabad never celebrated Hashanah Rabbi. We make a shtudim. What's the irony? The Gansavelt says the David Hashem on Hashanah Rabbi also, and Dafka we don't, and it makes it to be the other way around. Chabad. Considers Shminatzeres the highlight of Tishrei. Not the highlight in terms of the highest judgment as the world sees it, but the, the culmination applying all the light and inspiration that Tishrei brings. It all comes together, Shminatzeres. So the previous seven says in a Maimish, Shminatzeres like Rosh Hashanah. Ella, it's only. There's a fear and there's a bitterness. Shminatzeres is a day of joy. So now the Rebbe says, okay, if there's a comparison between Rosh Hashanah and Shmini Atzeres, let's ask a question on Rosh Hashanah, because it's Shmini Atzeres, it's Shmini Atzeres, Rosh Hashanah are connected, so we can afford to speak with Rosh Hashanah and Shmini Atzeres. Varigam be'in de Rosh Hashanah emuv. There's a very famous question on Rosh Hashanah. Lama kavu Rosh Hashanah be'in be'in Adam Merishin. Why was Rosh Hashanah fixed on the day of the creation of Adam Merishin? You dalit at the top, ye involve l'bria, the sixth day of creation. The whole of the Rosh at the beginning of the creation says the Heilik Rebbe. Everybody knows it should have been fixed on the twenty fifth of Elul, which is a Chol Sabriyah. Yeah, but for Shadi Kash, Rosh Hashanah is special because it's the beginning of the creation. But it isn't. The beginning of the creation is twenty fifth of Elul. So why do we do it Rosh Hashanah? 
And the Rebbe says, "Ve'ain leima." Do not say shatam shekovu reshashon be'yein brei other merishim dafki that they fix the shon the day of the creation of other merishim. Lefi shaveda the reshashonu kabbalah sale. Reshashon is kabbalah sale, also known as bittel. Right? Sound familiar? Reshashon is a bittel. Since man has bittel, so you can't speak about the world having a purpose until the potential of bittel was created. Why not? Shaharei, six lines from the top, inyan akabola sel yesh negam b'malachim. This bittel b'malachim as well. So the Rebbe's question is, why is Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah be the 25th of El. And he proposes, perhaps, because other Marishim was created. And he qualifies, and what's other Marishim's business? Bittel. But that's not enough of an explanation, because malachim have bittel as well. So what's going to be the answer? The answer is on page Yudzayin at the bottom. What's going to be the answer? The answer is going to be, yeah, malachim have bittel and Adam has bittel. But only neshamis have a bittel of malchus. A bittel means to say, I exist, because they wish to make me. That's it. Malachim don't have that. I exist because I have a purpose. So sure, malachim are bittel, but malachim are the other kind of bittel, fancy bittel. Only Nishamis Yisrael are like the Greek Adam, that it simply exists. And on the one hand, it's the epitome of Yeshus, if you identify it with itself. On the other hand, there can be no greater bittel than when you're identifying this point in relationship with the Abish. So the answer is on page That's why Rosh Hashanah is. The point of the whole creation. Hashem wants a home for himself in the lowest worlds. Page Yud Zion, second paragraph, second line. Third line, pardon me. In order to make the Torah of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you need bittel. Now, where does the bittel come from? From my mind, from my heart, from my senses. If the bittel comes, my mind, my heart, and my senses. That's the other kind of bittle. But if the bittle comes from my core, my atoms, my core. And what is my core? My core is a being that only thing it is, is that the Abish that created it. It's a very different concept, a very different quality, a very different essence of bittle, and only Nishamas have that. And that's why the middle of the Maimon is setting up the answers to the question. Says the Rebbe Vizeis, four lines. Vizeis, Kavur, Ashashana, Biyem, Briyas, Adam, Rishin, Dafke. That's why creation is the Adam, Rishin was created. But the Adam, Rishin, Gila, Habitl, the Sphiris, Amalchus. Adam, Rishin reveals Bittl that's not based on sophistication. I'm smart enough to be Bakal. I'm sensing enough to be Bakal. But because I'm nothing other than the Abish's expression. Malchus is a point. And because Malchus is the point, Malchus makes very little noise, says nothing. Nothing at all. Adam Rishin realized, revealed the nothing of Malchus because he found that nothing inside of himself. And the Rebbe goes on to say six lines into that paragraph, But is it not true that Malachim also have bitl? Says the Holy Rebbe, Malachim he metzies. What does that mean? Malachim have a pintel, have a point. A malachim of a bittel, but the point of a malach and the bittel of a malach is based on its sophistication. A malach does not have an essence the same way a human being has. 
The essence of the human being is the bittel, is the nekud of malchus, existing just because the Abishta made us exist. Malachim don't have existing just because the Abishta made them exist. Malachim have existing to fulfill a purpose. And the moment is to fulfill a purpose, this quality of bittel, Malachim don't possess. They don't have the bittel of malchus, the bittel of chokhmah, as the Rebbe would call it in the night. The purpose of a, ma- a malach is to be an emissary to fulfill a purpose for Akadish Baruchu. They have a certain form. They have a certain bittel. This is efforted bittel. This is bittel through work. It's bittel through sophistication. It's not bittel based on their essence. And I wrote on the margin what I told you the other day. Malachim's name is what? Constantly changing. A new mission, a new name. Only a Nisham has an unchanging name. Because a Malach's name is what it's doing. It's utilitarianism. It's, it, it's purpose. A Nisham's name is what it is. Not what it does. And therefore, the Nisham can do a thousand things. The name doesn't change. Because that name is what we call in our culture an essence. The idea of an essence, this is the bitl of Malach. And the Rebbe goes on to say, six lines in the bottom of the page. This is a very sweet idea. That's why the Shana we say, Hashem should show us mercy either as children or as slaves. And throughout the Yimei Asliches, we're constantly invoking, Hashem, pick. I'm your son or I'm your slave. If I'm your son, you love me. If I'm your slave, I'm worth something to you. I'm a commodity. I'm guilt. You don't want to, you don't want to waste your money. I belong to you and I'm worth money. Treat me well so that I can do my service for you. Says the Rebbe, We say, if I'm not a child, treat me as a slave. And of course, when you read it, and we all read it, we automatically think, yeah, we're schleppers, you know. Tzadikim are bonim. We're nebuchadnezzar. Says the Rebbe, no, you got it wrong. The allusion to the Jewish people as a slave is not in any way diminutive. You said something very advantageous. Because a slave is bottle, not because it's so smart and because it's so deep, but because it's been reduced to its very, very essential truth. It's essential truth that it exists for no reason other than the Abish to it exists, and therefore it's bittle. So the Rebbe says, sure, Malachim have bittle, but not like people. And again, for lack of words, because a human being has the ultimate essence, and a Malach doesn't. And the ultimate essence is the simple fact that God made me, period. So if I attribute the fact that God made me to myself, that's the biggest yesh. If I attribute the fact that God made me to God, that's the ultimate ayin, it's the ultimate bittle. Chav Hebeyel could not be Reish Hashanah, because Chav Hebeyel created the fancy beings, not the bittle beings. Clear? Quite clear, yeah? Okay. Now, if you'll think about yours, how this is intensely philosophical, it's the Rebbe says it's so simple. The more you think about it, the more you think, oh my gosh, this is very powerful stuff. So on page Yud Ches, the Rebbe continues, and he talks about Malchies, Zechreines, and Shefres. And he says, Malchies is our bittel. If you look three lines into the page, Malchies, who are bittel, when we say, we're accessing the Greek Adam within ourselves, the Nekuda bittel within ourselves. Zechreines is the Abish they remembering us. So Hachasidus puts it like this. What do you have to remember? The kind of things you're likely to forget. What are the things you're likely to forget? Things that are unimportant to you. 
So the Rebbe says like this, the levels of godliness which are connected to the world are not going to forget because they need the world. The levels of godliness that have no relationship with the world, they're the ones that are likely to forget. Now, you can't say, Klapishmaya, forgetfulness. Hashem doesn't forget, for the, for the record. Only I forget. <laughs> David doesn't forget anything. But he stops paying attention. In other words, he starts, he continues to remember us, but he stops identifying us as individuals. And we become part of a lattice, part of a kaleidoscope, part of a panorama, part of a rainbow. A mosaic, as Dinkins called it. Zechreinus is that from the levels where the Abish sees us as little tiles on a fancy decorated wall, he should identify us individually. So Malchis is our bittle to him, but the bittle of Rosh Hashanah, the bittle of the Pintele, the point of Ayin, of Malchus, that our home is the Abish. Zechreinus is the Abish tuning into that Pintele. And then the Rebbe says, Shoifrais is both together. Shoifrais is about 11 lines into the page. Nichlal, Shoifrais is underlined. Nichlal, Beza, and Yonim, Shemitzadam, Eshpia, Mitzadam, Akab. You have the bittle of the person, which is the sounds, Kia, Shvarim, Trua, and you have the remembering of the Ebishter, paying attention to us in detail from the very highest levels, and that's the second Kia. Okay? Then there's a very Gishmak of art on the Postak, Yavra, the Shem, Alponava, Yikra, I'm going to skip it. So Rabbi said, we really learned the complete Maimed here. The Maimed is, why is Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah not Chof Yellow? The answer is because we're looking for Bittl. The Bittl of Rosh Hashanah has to do with Malchus. The Bittl of Malchus has to do with a point that has no charge um, whatsoever, except that the Abishnah made it. This is revealed in Rosh Hashanah because Adam Rishon was then created. The service of Rosh Hashanah is to Bittl ourselves, Malchus, to call forward a reciprocity of Malkavish Baruch calls Zechreinis, and then to make both of those into one, which is called Shefnis. Now goes the next Maimir. Okay, A, B, C. Go to the beginning. In other words, this is, it's rings, right? The center, I only overviewed. I didn't learn it. We learned the first ring around the, that's one of the outermost rings. And then now we get the Shemini Yatzeres. Lohavin Inyan Simchas The first page. After A B C, Lahavin Inyan Simchas We must understand the question of Simchas And the Rebbe says, "Eir Edo, the Levadzeis she Yisol Mesamchem Of course, we rejoice. We give the Torah joy. We're happy about the Torah. Yes, but that eight Pidush is another concept. Shatayda Atzmas Mecha. That the Torah is rejoicing. Exactly what's the Torah so happy about? Question one. We thought of Lahavin. The question therefore is three lines from the top. What was added to the Torah on these days? That because of this, the Torah itself is rejoicing. That's question one. Now, the second question. Simchas Torah should be either Shavuos, or Yom Kippur, or the day after Yom Kippur. Why are you postponing it until the end of Sukkot? It doesn't make any sense. Sure, that's the second question. Vehine. He doesn't answer, he moves on. two interpretations of Shmini that are brought in Hasidus. Aleph, Atzeres, Lashon HaAkav. Akav means to pause, to stutter step, to hesitate. Beis, Atzeres is Lashon Meluchok, Mayerish Atzeres. Atzeres connotes kingship. Yerish Atzeres means the crown prince, that's what it means. A, a king has many children, but there's one king elect, king designate. 
In other words, when the father dies, this particular son is going to replace him. The son, who is the successor to the king, during the father's lifetime is called Yedish Otzer. So Yedish Otzer means the, the crown prince, the king in waiting. So Yedish, we know Hebrew, Yedish means the inheritor. What does Otzer mean? You have no choice. It has to mean king. It's a Lashon from Tanakh, Yedish Otzer, right? Footnote <coughs> 6, being the Pasuk in Shaftim. So if Yedish means inheritor, Otzer has to mean king. So Shoyim, Otzer is do it Malchus. Zayatzer Biyami is another Pasuk. So the Shaili is, why is the kingship? The idea of pause, of hesitation, of stopping. Its connection to Shmitzes is clear. Why? Because all of the light and the energy and the power and the holiness. The light, the light and the energy of Rosh Hashanah, of Yom Kippur. And Sukkot, Niklot, and Mishminyatzeres are absorbed. On it's in an internalized way. That's what happened to Shminyatzeres. It's an absorption. How do you absorb? You stop. You want to take something in? Stop being busy with something else. Give yourself the time. You're busy. You're not busy. Or you're busy being not busy. And by being busy, being not busy, which is very difficult to do, by the way, you're not allowed to try hard to rest because you'll never fall asleep. You take in, you absorb, you internalize everything that you were busy collecting during the late weeks and days before. This is a physical phenomenon, a physical fact. A person wishes to understand something. That he should absorb it in a way that he feels comfortable and mastering it. You have to pause, you have to sit on it. The same is true spiritually. To absorb, take in all of the energies that are light, life, and energy brought to us during the Yavam Neroyim and Sukkis are the Akav. And therefore, it explains why Shminat Seres is called Atseres, to pause, to hesitate. The absorption of the energy that Shminat Seres is by pausing. But what I don't understand. Now we should know the answer by now. Because Malchus is this bitle. Malchus is, in other words, to be a king of other people, you have to access the deepest bitle in yourself. Otherwise, it's not a real king. Otherwise, it's not real. Malchus is bitle. What kind of bittel? On a kuda that says nothing. As we've been discussing until now. So it falls right into place in Shmini Yatzeres. Right? We just explained why Rosh Hashanah is the big day and not Chavhei B'Yelo. Because Rosh Hashanah is the creation of man. Man is the only being that has access to this kind of Yeshus slash bittel. It's only creation that's in touch with its so-called essence on this level. Where on the one hand if you're identifying it with itself, it's the greatest Balgaiva. If you're identifying with the Abish as the most ultimate Bittl. So Shminyateras culminates. Shminyateras has an aliyah on, on, pardon me, Rosh Hashanah culminates. Rosh Hashanah has an aliyah on Shminyateras. So Shminyateras has to be connected to the same Bittl. To the contrary, it has to be even more close to the surface. Correct? That's why it's called Shminyateras. But last page, please. Yudchas at the bottom. Ubazer. And now, 
that we learned the center of the Maime, which correlated one kind of an ayin, another kind of ayin. And we celebrated the ayin of Malchus. What's the ayin of Malchus? You know, there's the old story about the Navadik Yebochet who was saying, Ich bin garnished. I am nothing. So someone else said, Ich bin a garnished. Since when did you become a garnished? You're such a big mit- <laughs> Ich bin garnished. Malchus doesn't say Ich bin garnished. Malchus doesn't say, period. It is garnished. It is a being. That in as much as the creation of the Eivishter is a being of God nisht, nothing. That's why Rosh Hashanah is on Rosh Hashanah because other Mishnah is the only creation that can have access to the essence of itself on a level, which means it's connected to its own God nisht in quotation. And the Rebbe says that's the connection to Melucha and Shmini Atzeres. Shmini Atzeres born Rosh Hashanah b'Pnimis. Shmini Atzeres is the date that all of the themes of Rosh Hashanah is brought into an internalized state. And this is what Chassidus says, The eighth day is interpreted Essence. Like you have a tea, you make a tea. Essence. Shama means the essence. When you distill something down to its very, very, very elemental parts, what's left over is the essence. Shminyateris is the essence of everything. And it's the essence of Tishrei. And the word Shmini also denotes fat because the essence is rich. Shvi is a, seventh month is a very rich month, right? The word Shvi is the word Shvi, it's sated, it's packed with all kinds of wonderful things. All the rich things of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Bittal, Kingship, Tshuva, Simcha, Achtos, and so on. On Shvi Yatzeres, they're reduced, they're distilled down to an essence. In other words, everything of the entire Tishrei is internalized. The canal, as we already touched on earlier, the same thing that is Rosh Hashanah, but Rosh Hashanah, whatever we bring into this world, Rosh Hashanah, is internalized in Shmini Yatzeres, which is what the word Yatzeres means, to absorb, to pause, to absorb, and to access the bittle of. The Rebbe said once, I heard it for myself in the Rebbe, the Rebbe said once about the Rebbeim, on Sukkot you saw a big Simcha. On Simcha's Teddy you saw a bigger Simcha. Shmini Atzeres was less even than Sukkot. He says, it's not Shaykh as to say by the Rebbeim, a Indian from Meridus and Atzvahs. Can't say they're from sadness. Or by designing Yevazid, mad in Zich, those are the words. They were more inward as opposed to outward. Kishmatesh is a very, very serious day. It's a very pnimious day. It's a day for absorption of everything of Tishne. We just explained that Rosh Hashanah is connected to Malchus. In other words, the bittle of simply being a creation of the Abish with no other point. The same reason. Rosh Hashanah is connected to Malucha because the bittle of Rosh Hashanah, the bittle of Malchus, it's also connected to Shmini Yatzeres with the Bittal of Shmini Yatzeres. Moreover, on Shmini Yatzeres, this experience of being bottled on a level of Etzim is felt in an internalized way. And the Rebbe continues and he says, I'm eight lines from the top of the page. That's the connection. In the beginning of this mind, we have two different interpretations to Shmini Yatzeres. Number one, Atzeres, Lashonat Kava, to pause. Number two, Atzeres, Melashem Melucha, kingship. Says the Holy Rebbe, Shein, Yenam Melucha, Ubaqa, Voklita, kingship is to a pause, 
and through absorption. And only then, Vainusheb Hamshachas Abuluchay Bepnimius. So Shmini Ateres is Rosh Hashanah Dekedei. Rosh Hashanah and Shmini Ateres are Bittel Dekedeis. And Shmini Ateres therefore means Bittel, in other words, Maluch. Are we clear? Yeah? So which question did we answer? We answered the third question, right? Of what's the connecting kingship in Shmini Ateres. But we have not yet answered the second and the first question about Simchas Teich. We good? Continues the Rebbe and he says, This now explains why Jacob was was planned, was fixed on Malchus. The bittle of Malchus, the essence of Malchus, is internalized in and of course bittle, which is higher than Chochmo, to say it in other words. We know that there's two pintalach. There's two bittles. There's the fancy pintalach and the simple pintalach. There is the fancy bittle and there's the simple bittle. And that the simple pintalach, the simple bittle, is much lower than the fancy pintalach and the fancy bittle, but it has a much, much higher source. And the real bittle is in the simple pintalach. The real bittle is in the simple bittle. Says the Rebbe, it exceeds Chochmah. In other words, it goes higher than the Teda. And because the simple bit goes higher than the tater, it improves upon the tater. I think it's 11 lines from the bottom, maybe 10. This ultimate bit increases in the tater. Tater by itself is only in quotes. We add to Shminiatel's additional light. Right, normally, what do we say? A Jew needs the Tera to connect to Kaddish Baruch. A Jew needs the Mitzvah to connect to Kaddish Baruch. No Tera, no Mitzvah, no connection. But then it says something else also. Tera needs a Yid to connect to Kaddish Baruch. Once a Yid uses the Tera to connect to Kaddish Baruch, it reveals the Shadish of the Yid, which is higher than the Tera. In other words, the Bittal. And then the role will reverse. Instead of the Yid needing the Tater, the Tater needs the Yid. The Tater accesses Ein Sof by a Yid learning him. With that bit And interpreting it. So he's adding to the Tater Ein Sof. And he brings Kemayme David Hoya Mekashe Tater Shomayla Makavish Baruchu. It says in Svarim that David used to connect the Tater of Hashem with Hashem. Because Tater by itself is, quote, only. The light of the Ebishter. Tera by itself is, quote, only the wisdom of the Ebishter. A Jew is the chosen one of the Ebishter. A Jew is a child of the Ebishter. He introduces the Bittal into the Tera and enhances the Tera. Okay, every Jew has this power because call we're all children of kings. Now, listen for a moment. When you call Jewish people the children of kings, what does that sound like? What does it sound like with children of kings? Fancy people, schmancy people, Dr. Nain, you got it all wrong. Malachim are people who are most likely to access their people. And B'nai Malachim are the children of kings who are also most likely to access their people. You know, the Rebbe spoke one time about Rambam Sikh. There's a Kesa Teira, there's a Kesa Kahuna, and there's a Kesa Malchus. So he says, Rebbe, there's six things. There's Teira and Kesa Teira. Everybody can learn Teira. Kesa Teira is special. This kuhun and keser kuhunum. Two things. A bechoyev is a kayan. Aaron and his children have the keser kuhun. It's a different thing. And then there's malchus and keser malchus. There were many kings who were not from Shevet Yehuda. 
Shevet Yehuda have the Kesem Malchus. And the Rambam says, Eloshan, Kesem Malchus given L'dovod L'zari Yachrev. Every person from the family of David and Malach is automatically a potential king. Now, each generation, hopefully underlined and underscored and italicized and bolded and all the rest, you'll have only one. If two, you have to forget about it. But the Kaya exists in each one of them. So how do we hear this? That every member of David and Malach's family is a machet, he's a politician, he's a leader. Says the Rebbe, no, he's more in touch with this bitl. And that's where the Malucha comes from. So here the Rebbe broadens it. Not David and his family, but every Jew is a Ben Melech. What's the title? Ben Melech, they have an easier time, or they have a possibility accessing this a bit, and therefore it's the Yid who's able to add to the Teirah. Jewish people who ruled in Atmos. First, a Jew needs Teda so he should discover that he's Jewish. And what it means to be a Jew. Once he discovers that he's Jewish, what it means to be a Jew, the roles are reversed and the Yiddish Mashpia into the Teda. The bitl of a Yid. And therefore, the Yid's ability to be in the Teda emerges in Shminyat Seres. Why? That's a day to reveal kingship on a level of Pneumius. Therefore, Simchas Teira, when the Yid dances with the Teira, he adds something to the Teira. And he adds to the Teira something which makes the Teira itself rejoice. This is now the answer to the first question. The Teira itself is rejoicing. What's the Teira so happy about that the Yid gave it a property of Ayin, of Bittal, which he wouldn't have by itself? This is the answer to the first question here. Okay, the fish and I said, Chokmanov, because Tata comes from Chokmo, Shminat Teres, Pelamba, Yukadim Kutubrichu, and I said, Kutubrichu, Kulakan.